If you are a regular listener of the Vincast, Australia's premier wine podcast, then you would know that myself, the intrepid wino, is a big supporter of small batch, authentic Australian wines. And that's why I made the partnership with uh, my supporter, Different Drop, who are an online retailer that specialise in exactly those kinds of wines. They have scoured Australia for some really exciting up-and-coming winemakers uh, and some really stalwart um, pioneers of the Australian wine industry to put together an offer that um, really gives people an opportunity to try the great diversity of Australian varieties, Australian regions and Australian styles. Uh, They're very competitively priced. Um, they put together some really fantastic kind of package deals. Um, so you can put, you know, you can choose some wines for yourself or you can pick one of their, like a, a particular variety or a particular region. Um, and as a special offer for listeners of this podcast, if you go to differentdrop.com forward slash intrepid wino, uh, and where you'll find, um, some wines that have been curated, uh, for former guests of this very podcast, um, and then when you make a purchase, uh, at, you put in the code intrepidwino, one word, and the guys at Different Drop will give you a 10% discount, which is a fantastic uh, opportunity for you to support uh, the, the guests of the podcast, uh, Different Drop, for supporting this podcast as well, uh, and myself. So thank you very much, uh, guys, for your support of this podcast, and thanks, Different Drop, for uh, championing those great wines. Episode 71 of the Vincast, I chat with Shashi Singh, uh, one half of the Avani Syrah story. Uh, beautiful vineyard on the Mornington Peninsula, making some amazingly biodynamically grown, uh, authentic Syrah wines. there Vincasters and welcome to another episode of the Vincast. My name is James Gersbrook, otherwise known as the Intrepid Wino and my apologies for uh, not managing to get an episode of the Vincast out last week. Uh, as you can imagine coming back from overseas I was uh, just trying to catch up uh, and also with the Spring Racing Carnival on and Melbourne Cup uh, public holiday here in Melbourne um, that meant that you know people's availability was a little bit um, difficult so uh, I, I, I'm excited to have a new episode for this week um, and it's a guest that I've had, wanted to have on for quite a while but uh, before I introduce her I want to do something that I haven't done in a little while I want to give a few shout outs now um, I've been really uh, grateful to hear about people in the wine industry uh, who have been listening to the podcast and um, and enjoying it and and of course, you know, it, I love uh, when people just randomly tell me, hey, I listen to the podcast, um, you know, winemakers, retailers, similes, that kind of thing. So um, I, I really appreciate everyone's support. Um, particularly, I wanted to give a particular shout out to Kathy Lane from Fireworks PR, who is a really, really fantastic supporter of mine. She was, of course, was um, a guest of the podcast already. And I do highly encourage you to go back and listen to that episode. It's fascinating to talk about um, public relations as far as wine. Um, but 
I've had a couple of people get in contact with me who um, have really expressed uh, how much they are getting out of the podcast, uh, and and I and I really wanted to to, to share that with you. Uh, the first person was uh, Andrea, uh, and she is on Twitter at Vine Change, um, and uh, you know she is uh, really pursuing a I think a career in the wine industry, wanting to learn uh, as much as she can, um, and. And and she was um, lovely enough to to write a fantastic review on the iTunes page as well. Uh, the other person uh, that got in contact with me was um, Amy, who uh, sent me an email via the intrepidwino.com website, uh, and it I, I was really touched to to find out that um, listening part of part of uh, listening to the podcast has in some way kind of inspired her to want to pursue a career in the wine industry and. Uh, and you know it, it is really, really um, very uh, enthusing for me. Like I, it really does fill me with so much kind of encouragement. I guess to continue um, creating this um, content, finding the uh, the great stories about the podcast. So thank you very much, guys. Please, if you do enjoy the Vincast, uh, get in contact with me. I'd love to hear from you. And please, um, it really does help out if you uh, if you share stuff on social media, but particularly if you leave me a rating and review on the iTunes store. Uh, so thanks, guys. I uh, really appreciate it. So for my guest for this week is Shashi Singh. Uh, Shashi and her husband Devendra uh, moved from India uh, and ended up on the Mornington Peninsula uh, a, a bit of maybe about thirty years ago. And they uh, and they ran their own Indian restaurant uh, in Frankston for many years before deciding to completely change um, you know their, their their life and their career by buying a vineyard and uh, they've created um, one of the most authentic uh, expressions of the Mornington Peninsula in the Avani Syrah and um, Shashi and Devendra will be at the upcoming Rootstock Festival um, and I I really wanted to have her on and to talk about her story so um, it was a really fascinating chat uh, please stick around till the end uh, so you can find out how you can get in contact with Shashi to to thank her for being on the podcast and also how you can uh, find out more about the Rootstock Festival. But uh, until then, I'll see you on the other side. Shashi, thank you very much for making some time to be on the Vincast and welcome. Thank you for coming up on this lovely summery day in Melbourne. Thank you, James, for giving me this opportunity. No. I feel blessed. Must be my good karma. <laughs> <laughs> the pleasure is mine. And I, uh, I typically ask um, my guests uh, at the beginning of every episode if they can remember what their initial interaction with wine was that sort of made them think, oh, this is something that I could do you know, as a career or dedicate my life to, to yeah. wine. I think with me, coming from an Indian background, I had no experience in the wine before. And it was in 80s, um, running the restaurant on Peninsula with my husband. My first interaction or any, any introduction to wine was through the restaurant. Yep. And in those days, you used to get these big companies, they rep come and make the wine list for you. Yeah. And um, during that time, I think some of the local producers uh, came over and we had their wines and then we started going, visiting the vineyards and getting to know the people, the place and how wine is made. I had no idea before that. Mm -hmm. And that built the interest for me into that. Even at that time, I was not thinking of a career in the wine. And when my children were in year 10, um, 
and I started thinking my life has so much revolved around them. Uh, how, what I'm going to do? They don't need me anymore. Mm. Um, I started by that time. I was, I had started reading more journals and articles about the wine, and it really interested me. Sure. And coming um, back home as well, we come from uh, agricultural. Um, family background and, okay. and grandparents are still the sugarcane and wheat farmers back um, in agricultural state Haryana in India. So you were born in India? I'm born in India. When um, did you come to Australia? I migrated to Australia in 82-83. Okay. Yeah. And um, I was initially, my husband always, um, he was here. It was, okay. And we ran, ran a restaurant. I was very much full-time mom. Sure. And um you know, when did you did you move to 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 um, to marry your husband? Yes, it was an arranged marriage. Oh, wow, that's so cool! <laughs> and it has all you know went well so far. Very well, yeah. <laughs> seems to be going well. Um, and so, was where where was he living? Was, he, he, was, he was he was in, born in India as well. He was born in India, okay. and he came in 80, 80, 81. So you were both uh, adults, pretty much. Yeah, yeah. I was twenty one. Yeah, okay, that's pretty adult. <laughs> Um, and so, but it was a, a migration to, you know, for, you know, new opportunities in Australia. Yes. yes and yes. and your husband, I'm sorry, I've forgotten his name. Devendra. Devendra. Mm -hmm. uh, Devendra came, um, did he come to Melbourne first? He came to Melbourne and he uh, worked in uh, Tralgan. He worked really? with, yeah, McDonald's and then, okay. when, then the Wendy's store was opened. He worked with them and yeah. then... During that time, and I think after we got married, um, we, we thought, you know, uh, it'd be good to have a little restaurant of our own. So yeah, cool. That's when... An Indian restaurant? Yeah, an Indian restaurant. Oh, yeah, okay. we've been on Peninsula over 30 years now. We're still there, yeah. So you, so you opened an Indian restaurant. Whereabouts in the Peninsula? Um, we were in Frankston for oh, over 20 years. Nice. And now we are in Somerville. Yeah, okay. <laughs> um, so you, you mentioned that your your family has a little bit of an agricultural background. Yes. Um, which, which part of India? Haryana. Which is not far from Delhi, about 70 k's from Delhi. It's okay. an agricultural state. Sure. Uh, Haryana and Punjab used to be one before, but yep. they divided in two states. It's very much um, just agriculture there is the dominant. And, w and what's the what's the most dominant um, crop there? Wheat and sugarcane. Okay. And and so, do you think that that kind of Im impacted on you a little bit as far as the agricultural influence, at least maybe you know as far as interest in food, for example? I think the agricultural influence yeah and something um there's special about having a land sure and growing something it's sure. just an emotional thing and mm -hmm. uh, it i think do, uh, doing viticulture as well that's where i kind of stopped and thought back and how the things were done and uh, how my grandparents and my uncles and aunts are still doing it mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and made so much sense to me now while growing up in India for those 20 years I thought oh my god they're doing all these old processes sure um, you know the science has gone so further but you know but it all makes it's, sense yeah it's, yeah it's pretty simple yes, yes. Um, and so they, they would be just selling the sugarcane to refineries and they yeah at that time and make a little bit of jaggery for personal use and yeah. for the families. Uh, well, that's um, and and, that, yeah. and that's exactly you know what what you're doing as far as wine is, yeah. you know your your the refinery is is the winery when you're actually making the wine, but you that's keep true. some for yourself. You have it on your on that's your table true. at home. I think it has made me understand 
and respect the people who are in agriculture, a mm. huge respect for them. And I think it should be compulsory for our children to go and work on the farm. <laughs> well, the Australian, yeah, I mean, like, like I think Australia needs more, more people to go and work on farms. <laughs> it's just that the respect of course. that I think uh, people who are away from it, they don't understand. Sure. Yeah, it's just a different uh, outlook altogether. Mm-hmm. And so you, you learned how to cook from uh, from your family? I Yes, very much uh, home mm-hmm. sort of cooking, but Devendra is a trained chef. So oh, really? Okay. I think maybe a lot of things I learned from him. Sure, of course. <laughs> so um, did was it challenging, like the, um, opening up an Indian restaurant in, in Frankston back in the early uh, 80s or mid-80s? I think Devendra is kind of a person. He likes adventures. And, <laughs> he uh, likes the challenge. He likes the challenge. Sure. And he was not scared at all. Wow. Um, so, you know, from and, day one, he and wasn't was, scared of it. Was it sort of very classic Indian cuisine or was it very a bit traditional, regional? Very regional, uh, okay. traditional Indian cuisine. So most of it from coming from north. So most of the dishes were from north. So. Is Devendra originally from the same area? Yes, he is. Okay. But he has grown up into a different um, part of India where oh. I have. Yeah, okay. So he's more from Uttar Pradesh, uh-huh. where his family moved a long time back. Oh, wow, yeah. okay. Yeah. Uh, so, so I know initially, you know, it would have been interesting, um, and, and still it's a challenge to match wines with Indian food. Um, I'm not sure, but back at that time, were people were, were customers to the restaurant asking for wine, or were they just sort of happy with, with beer? I think in those days, early 80s and um, 90s, People were just thinking that only beer goes with Indian food. Yeah. We'll keep some wine, as I said to you, the rep from the big uh, sure, brands sure. used to come and make the wine list. We had no ideas. Um, you know, it was all learning from mm-hmm. there. And uh, it was very different. Um, there was more mixed drinks in those days. Okay. Uh, people will bring, you know, big cask wine. and Yeah. Yeah. Okay. But it has changed so much. And I'm so excited um, that I have learned so much during that process. Sure. And to say that the food, Indian food can't go with the wine is not true. No, absolutely. <laughs> so the, the proximity, the, you know, being close to the Mornington Peninsula, that probably would have had an impact on you. And, and you said that you started to go and visit some of the producers. Yes. Who were some of the producers back in those days, that kind of the early ones to influence you uh, on the Mornington Peninsula? I, I think at uh, that time I was still learning sure. about the wine. So yeah. I, we visited the producers and that the wines that we were selling. Of course. So but that's, that's, a, that's a really important step. Yeah. So uh, there was uh, um, Salma um, Lauda mm-hmm. uh, from the Elan Vineyard yep. uh, and uh, Wildcroft. Mm-hmm. We used to sell his wine. That's how we became friends with Richard. Who right. owned, and when... We were looking for some land and um, he said, you know, my place is going to come up on the market. And and that's when it all kind of, um, we thought, oh, this is something, you know, mm-hmm. maybe just the land. We still have no plans. What are we going to do with it? Sure, okay. Maybe the connection with the wine, the food sort of seemed very uh, possibility yeah. and something we can do. And I've got a chemistry background from back in India, got oh, a degree okay. in chemistry. Yeah. While I was uh, 
reading all these journals and articles about wine, I could understand a lot mm. and the agriculture side and the wine side of it. That's mm -hmm. made my interest grew a bit more into it. And because we were selling the wine from this property, we knew a bit more about the wine sure. and the place and we used to visit regularly. Uh, but we had no idea how we we're going to do a, all this about it. We had no previous uh, ex experience in agriculture or winemaking. What prompted you to actually want to kind of buy some land and, 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 and to produce some wine of your own? As I said, James, initially, we just wanted to buy land and do that's, something that's with it. it. Okay. That's it. And, uh, and, and you wanted to, like, it's like, oh, we've, do we've done the restaurant, let's, let's do yeah. something different. Okay. Yeah. yeah. But had he no really, idea he, that he it, will become, it will become day and night job. <laughs> <laughs> Restaurants mostly, just the night. <laughs> but the small vineyard as well. Uh, I mean, when you go into a project like that, you have no idea and you anticipate something else. Mm -hmm. But in reality, after taking the plunge and after a year, you find out, sure. you know, it's not what you thought it's going to be. There's a lot more to it. So you found out that, that the property would be on the market and you kind yeah. of said, why not? Yes. And then um, Ted, can you tell me a, a bit about that particular part of the Mornington Peninsula? It's on, in Red Hill South. Okay. So um, if you know Stanley's Road, it's right on the top of the hill. Sure. So, and it's a um, 15-acre block, block um, just over... Um, nine acre under wine, mm -hmm. and it's a very gentle slope, a north south facing slope. Yeah, and I think that um, initially I was very scared. So I thought, how are we going to do? I have not even weeded in my own backyard. How I'm <laughs> going to do this? So Richard was very kind, and he said, um, Shashi, I'll stay over for a an year, and during that time, we'll teach you. Mm -hmm. Uh, what you need to learn mm -hmm. in this process. Mm -hmm. And I said, okay, that's comforting. Um, I'm not scared of hard work and, um, you know, I learn. So that's how after one year I thought I need to learn more mm. because you need a little bit more in depth. I cannot just do what other person's idea of doing things is. I want to know why we are doing this mm -hmm. and what will happen if I don't do it like that? So you needed the background knowledge. That's when I started looking for some sort of a course. And I found out that in Epping, there was a certificate course. And from Frankston, I used to travel to Epping one with, day a is week. Is that with uh, in, uh, NMIT? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Okay. I think some friends of mine do, do some studies there. Okay. Well, they have done some. Yeah. Okay. And that's where um, the lecturer who was teaching us, she was still doing a degree at Charles Sturt. And I, that's how I found out about Charles Sturt. Okay. And I thought I can do a little bit more in depth. Mm -hmm. And it was really a nice introduction for me to learn the terminology which is used in the vineyards and wines. Sure. And um, I applied for a wine science degree at Charles Sturt. Mm -hmm. And it was early, I think, 2000. And they said, oh, there's a waiting list for one year to get into the wine science. And I said, if I don't do it now, I'll never do it. Mm. Um, I said, what if I apply for viticulture? 
they said yeah you can start that so i started a degree of viticulture mm. and then later on transferred it to wine science so i've done it just completed 2013 my viticulture and wine science degree wow okay it took you it took you a few that's I like took, my mum took a while to do her masters in in languages so i think because um, when you are studying and you've got a family your studies are the last priority in the other things the work and the uh, the, the bringing the, in the, the family comes and first the family, of yeah. course so that's how i did it but i i think i thoroughly enjoyed it and during the process having the gaining the technical knowledge going to woga mm-hmm. you meet a wealth of people that um i've st- still friends with and you know gained through them mm-hmm. so much with their experiences so, you, so it's been a worthwhile you you would have um been doing it by correspondence and yes. you would have gone I, to do some residential yeah, some time there yeah was it, that interesting i'm i'm pleased you know forgive no? me but i would have thought that most of the students would be you know in their early 20s or something like that no, or James, late, when i started 20s? it it was very interesting because i had not done any of my studies here i was very scared uh, being a gap of uh you know when i finished my degree in chemistry in india mm-hmm. and came back here and started a family and everything was new and then going back again to uni here was a little bit of a scary thought to me mm-hmm. um, but when i went there it was so good to know that most of the people doing wine science were people who were doing as a second degree ah, okay. so there were a lot of people like or me or a second career or a second career mm-hmm. yeah that's what i mean and but being at woga i've seen all the changes how initially the people uh, the demographic has changed mm-hmm. now in the industry there are more younger people sure doing the degree but in those days when i started it was like people uh, in accountants doctors or engineers well i think but but that was sort of um very much in that real boom time for australian wine and so i would think that um like that's probably why there was a waiting list for the winemaking yep, degree true. was because all the big wine companies were yes. saying we need more winemakers we need more winemakers yeah, but at true. the same time uh, you know in the economy was mm. you know it was very strong and so yeah. people were saying hey cool i can just you know go i'll just buy some land and buy a vineyard and make yeah. some wine of myself and yeah. well i suppose i should go and learn how to do it and i yeah. guess that's kind of what what you guys did yeah, but um but, but it was probably more you know as inspirations like oh no we we want to do something on this land. What when you bought the vineyard, mm. um how old were the vines? They was planted in 87. Okay. So they were quite old wines. This was mm. established vineyards with all the varieties, uh, Pinot, Chardonnay, Cabernet, a little bit of Shiraz, a couple of rows of Merlot. Mm. And So back in that 80s time which yeah. is like this is plant what what people want. Yeah. Doesn't matter if they're right for this particular yeah, subject. I think we region. all were learning. We are sure. still learning. Sure, sure, of course. So it's all learning uh, in progression. We are not that also as Francis they have learned. <laughs> and slowly like we have learned it took me a 17 years to learn that how to plant a grapevine. <laughs> yeah, and I've got a few hundred years on us in most cases. <laughs> Um, yeah, and so when you first bought it what were you doing with with the land were you continuing to make the wine was there a brand already yes. well established from uh, that vineyard it was the vineyard was called the brand was called wildcraft and initially um, richard was doing all the viticulture and then i learned from him and the wine was made locally by um, 
the Gr- local winemaker. Sure, okay. Yeah. And, but you continued, so you bought that brand as well? Uh, we bought the brand as well. Right, and, okay. And not knowing anything about the wines, uh, and we slowly found out everything hard work. Sure, of course. <laughs> but that's the best way to learn. That's the best it. way, yeah. Yes. So um, <laughs> gradually you started to kind of change your way of thinking and wanting to put your own kind of um, impact on on that particular place. How did you kind of start to change the way you're thinking? Because from the sounds of what it was compared to how it is now, mm. it's pretty different. So I'm very interested to kind of find out mm. how your thinking evolved. I think, James, there I would say that it was a blessing for me mm-hmm. to see how the manage was conven- uh, the vineyard was conventionally managed before. Sure. When we took over, I changed it to organic, and then slowly to biodynamic. So what what was your um, what was your thinking? What was your reasoning behind organic? And what was your experience with organic that made you want to convert? Mm-hmm. Um, I think on a personal level, I kind of believe in sustainability and natural, simple living. Where did that come from? Um, that's come from my upbringing, maybe. <laughs> okay, cool. I think it's my. It's that ag- not, that not agricultural just the, influence. Yeah, could be. It's not just. The way I do my agriculture, that's how I live as well. Sure. So, like, yoga is a big part of me. <laughs> <laughs> so, I don't need scientific proofs for everything. I can see that things do work. You just, just feel <laughs> and it. that's how, yeah, the feel, the mm-hmm. energy. And my apologies for interrupting yet another fascinating Vinkas chat. But I wanted to uh, share with you something. Um, One of the ideas about the Vincast was to introduce listeners to um, people and concepts about wine, stories, that kind of thing, mostly as a way to encourage people to kind of go and find out more because there is so much wonderful uh, information about about wine. Um, They're great resources. And one of the the best resources, uh, certainly in Australia for Australian wine, is Wine Companion. Wine Companion started off as an annual guide written by James Halliday, um, which basically just catalogued all the wines for that year uh, and gave tasting notes and ratings. And it evolved into, um, more recently, uh, a wonderful wine magazine, which is written by a number of amazing writers around the country, but also the Wine Companion website where you can get access to a huge resource of tasting notes uh, and lots of wonderful articles. And uh, as a, a special uh, thank you for um, subscribers of the Vincast, if you go to the Wine Companion website and if you sign up for any subscription package, when you put in the code INTREPID30, uh, they'll actually give you a 30% discount, which is an incredible deal. Uh, in case you missed it, there was actually a little piece written about the Vincast and myself on there. Uh, so I do encourage you to go and check that out anyway and, and find out about how you can uh, get access to some amazing wine information. So thanks very much, Wine Companion, for your support of the podcast and uh, for having such amazing content. And initially, did you, did you know? Not, did you know much about sort of organic agriculture or organic viticulture to kind of think about that, that conversion? I just knew about there are better ways to manage things, and organic was one of them. Mm-hmm. That's how I started first. So, a reduction in um, all the systemic um, fungicides which were being used on sure, the place. Sure. Sure. And I did see very quickly that uh, how healthier the plants looked, and they became, and then I thought I can do it kind of becomes became stagnant and I thought I need to do more mm. and then 
the real eye opener for me was 2004 when we had the biodynamic conference the big conference in uh, beachwood i mm. think it was it was would have been organized by a uh, former guest From, of the podcast julian castagna oh yes that's true <laughs> so i think i couldn't go to that uh, unfortunately it was too expensive for me <laughs> mm. but i started the 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 seed planted in my hand i started researching talking to people i was at wagga at that time and there was a um a lecturer uh, michel munier uh, mm-hmm. from france mm. and i wrote to him and spoke to him on the phone and he gave me few links and gave me a lot of material and uh, connected me with the people as well mm-hmm. and then that's where i did a lot of my reading and by reading too i thought a lot of it doesn't make sense to me some make sense to me it's very much uh, um, common sense in a lot of ways i i could reflect back home how my grandparents did everything with the moon yeah and how did they made their compost and they did certain things at a certain time which is just sort of inherited knowledge it's yeah. just you know, that's just it the was, way that we we know how to do it yeah true it was like i think growing up there it's in the background but you don't take much notice but like it brought all those memories back and i wished i would have learned and paid more attention then but it was then again learning and i thought i have to do this mm-hmm. to to see the effect of it mm-hmm. and um my first spray i thought was 500 that i put in in 2005 mm-hmm. and i was amazed that within a year how my soil started to change mm. and it was just like a magic and i was so happy i said this is the way to go forward and i could me myself and devendra has seen so many changes how the plants are growing now how the vineyard looks alive how much more insect life how much more bird life um we have on on the property mm-hmm. and um frogs that we are finding and different the really biodiversity biodiversity and the uh, the really harsh uh, hardy weeds that we used to have are like soft weeds mm-hmm. uh, they look beautiful so mm-hmm. i think slowly slowly it's a long uh, learning process but it makes believe in you and then i think i was very lucky when i was working with philip and um looking after all the vines there and I worked in the lab and i could then started seeing these little differences in how vines behaved too towards sulfur mm-hmm. and oxygen mm-hmm. and you kind of put your head together and you think oh my god we're not doing anything different in the process mm. it's just the viticulture yeah which i've done a bit different and yeah. maybe that, that has made a difference maybe it was yeah. kind of um you know good karma that you said oh yeah. no i'll just do i'll do viticulture and then yeah. transfer so you started from where you should be starting from that's which is true. from from the soils and from the vines yeah um that's what i said it has to be a good karma i'm so so fortunate to be on that line and to have um, as a my mentor philip mm. uh, whom you know have such high regards and all his philosophies resonate with me and you know to show me the path mm-hmm. you know i could have gone the other way mm-hmm. um it must be all that positive energy that you put into into the the universe <laughs> that is giving you something back i i think um saying on that um started looking at that energy level too i think we'll see things only at a matter level at the moment <laughs> but there is another level which is the energy level absolutely yeah. 
So um, how did you start to convert um, as far as the, the vineyards from, you know, having planted a number of different varieties to now, if I'm correct, only working with one variety and a variety that is probably the, the third child of the region, maybe the fourth after Pinot Gris, actually, um, <laughs> which is Shiraz or Syrah. Yeah. How, how did what, what was the process of um, planting I, more Syrah or converting existing vineyards to Syrah? I think this was again a learning process because being on Peninsula, I wanted to make um, a good Pinot, and that's why we went to Philip Jones sure, of course. to learn to how to make a good Pinot. He knows how to do that pretty well. And. <laughs> We did everything, close planting, uh, reduce the cropping level to make a great painter. But uh, we found out during that course that Shiraz was the variety which was producing from my particular place. I won't say, you know, uh, the, mm -mm -mm. from my particular place, that was the most interesting wine coming out of the vineyard. We did everything with Pinot. But my bench work was, benchmark was Bess Philip. It wasn't Bess Philip. Mm, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, it ripened too early. And my place is a bit warm. So my Pinot used to ripen in Feb. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So, so they kind and, of and, and that's, think, that's probably the, one of the biggest enemies of Pinot Noir yeah. is to ripen yeah. too fast. Yeah, so it doesn't have that flavor ripening time. Yeah. Anyway, so I was more suited to Shiraz. That's mm -hmm. what we found out. So, so what we what did you you, you said? Okay, we're just going to work with Shiraz. Yes, we made this decision in two thousand and six. Yeah, um, that we are going to just work with Shiraz, mm -hmm. the the best variety that we can grow from this place. Mm -hmm. Being small, mm -hmm. it kind of economically works for us as well. Having yeah. the same kind of bottles, closures. Yeah, yeah, of and course. Yeah. It's one label. So one label. And why not put your energy into something which the place produces the best? Mm -hmm. um, and it's been a, such a long learning process again because we grafted some vine, we replanted certain part of the vineyard. Okay. And we had those wet years when a lot of grafts died. And we are still pulling those vines 2011? out. 2011. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So um, still planting. Wow, okay. Yeah. <laughs> And um, and so, how many how many acres or hectares do you currently have under Syrah that are that are giving you fruit? Oh, the total place is like uh, just over nine acres, mm -hmm. but fruiting at the moment maybe just about thirty percent. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So, so the, very the small. future looks good for Avani Syrah. Yeah, it was at times. I tell you, I had very depressing times, <laughs> but I thought, come on. You know, uh, gather yourself up, put your energy, do the right thing as you do in your life. Of course. And uh, don't, I don't care if I reap the fruit or not, but do the right thing and keep planting. And one day, if, if I'm not the one reaping the fruit out of this place, somebody mm -hmm. else will. So. Now, when you sort of started to think about how you wanted to work in the, in the cellar, yeah. were you kind of being recommended wines or were you seeking out other wines from other producers as far as particularly as far as Syrah or Shiraz wines that you started to taste and and be influenced by and think about you know oh, you know I like the way they're working what what's what's particular about the way that they're making this wine um, 
To tell you the truth, James, I make my shiraz like a pinot because that's where I learned. <laughs> okay, absolutely. And and that's not uncommon. Like, you know, a, a number of former guests of this podcast yeah. do make their shiraz like a pinot, like uh, like the lovely um, Gary Mills from Jamsheed. He, yeah. I, I think if he's... Shiraz wines made like a Pinot, you know, with that whole bunch influence, that kind of thing. Um, but I don't do any whole bunches in my Shiraz. No. It's all 100% destemmed. Okay. And um, I think at present I don't have enough fruit to do separate uh, parcels of fruit to ferment okay. because my land has three different kinds of soil there. Sure. And, and that's, how so you maybe separate, one day. that's how you separate based on the soil? Um, I, w- I would love to do that experiment to see. Okay. Uh, at present, I'm just kind of mixing everything, yep. whatever fruit I can yep. get my hands on. Mm. Uh, a, true from estate, the birds. a true estate wine. <laughs> a true yeah, estate wine. That's yes. true. Um, and so, so what, what was it about the way that Pinot Noir is made that um, you particularly like to use with your Syrah? I think I learned my... Uh, wine tasting at mm. a Pinot Noir producer. Sure. So particular Pinot Noir producers, apart from Bas Fuller. Bas Fuller, yeah. yeah. That's pretty <laughs> that's good. Close that's, to Burgundy. That's a pretty, that's a pretty good reference. <laughs> that's my favorite wine. <laughs> <laughs> and I think I was so much in love with them. And uh, what about other? What about other biodynamic producers, for example? Yeah, um, I think. Uh, from Australia? Yeah, well, yeah, from anywhere. I just um, have high regards for Vanya Cullen, mm-hmm. um, you know, Ron Lawton, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah. James Milton from New Zealand. New Zealand, yes. Yeah, Wonderful these other people. Yeah, I met some of the biodynamic um, uh, workshops and conferences yeah. and have such a high regard for, for them mm-hmm. and haven't had the experience to go to France mm. uh, to meet all those iconic uh, biodynamic wines. So maybe one day. Maybe they'll they'll invite you, and you can say, "Okay, can you pay me to bring bring over, and can you make my wine for the for, for the next vintage? I've got lots of time to spend with you." I only I wish. It's my so, dreams. So, so tell me, so you're currently you're processing all of the the, the fruit from the estate together, um, and you said you, you destem. Do you yeah, do you do any crushing of the grapes? No, just destem. Just destem. Just destem. Okay. Uh, put them in the tank. Mm-hmm. I can't afford a wooden tank at the moment, so all goes in the steel. <laughs> okay. So um, it about seven eight days of pre maceration. Sure. Uh, just at the room temperature. Sure. Um, and the natural yeast yeast starts in a eight days. Okay. So sometimes early if the okay. weather is warm. About a week. Yep. Okay. And two weeks of fermentation, mm-hmm. and then after that, three four days post, depending. I keep on tasting my wine, mm-hmm. and then just press uh, into the barrels. Um, uh, what size barrels? So, uh, they are just uh, uh, two twenty five liters spaghetti barrels. Yeah. Barriques, yeah, yeah barriques. Yeah. But or oh, oh, mature, no new barrels. Um, some years I've had new barrels. Two thousand and thirteen had new barrels. Um, <laughs> Uh, Devendra is very kind to buy me new barrels <laughs> to experiment. But Happy birthday. <laughs> yes. But a uh, mixture of old and new. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. And then how long do you keep them before you bottle them? Uh, depending on the year, um, like 2012 was kept 18 months, usually 18 months. Okay. 
2014 was kept uh, for 12 months mm-hmm. 2011 was kept for in old barrels mm-hmm. for 12 months um, does it depend a little bit on how much you have and um, and when I the market how the grapes it? are it depends on sure. how the okay. grapes are yeah you keep it for as long as you feel that you need to yeah okay yeah, yeah. fantastic yeah. um and so when you first so when did avani itself kind of first get released to to the world yeah um firstly what does what does avani mean avani is a sanskrit word which means mother earth wonderful so i think it's so much connected to me we had wildcraft but the connection i always felt was some kind of a missing thing sure. there sure sure and wildcraft was when the wine was contract made okay um working with philip um 2009 i kind of was my breakout here mm-hmm. and i started making wine myself sure i was still working at his place looking after his wines and mm-hmm. making my four barrels of wine <laughs> <laughs> and it was 2009 was my first release and 2000 when i started to understand the process more and more and the importance of making the wine on the property i was more keen to bring the wine back home sure and it was 2012 okay that uh, we set up a small winery mm-hmm. on the property mm-hmm. and uh, since then i've been done few vintages there so the yeah, first vintage of avani sarah was 2009 9 yes okay and how did you how did you sort of find the the reception of the wine was you know with for example sommeliers and with customers i think um they've been very kind to me i've always had a positive feedback which um kind of i was very scared but uh, reassures me that the direction that i've taken is the right one mm-hmm. and uh, keep on improving mm-hmm. on my processes on my land and keep on doing that yeah do you think an important part of um you know having people find out more about avani is um is with um well for example um when i first met daniel honan who has been a guest on the podcast a few times he actually came you know to yeah. victoria and he visited you and yes. said what a wonderful you know visit it was and wrote about it that mm-hmm. kind of thing so you know the bloggers and journalists who have a particular interest in in you know this small sustainable wines but one of the things that um that I've talked to him about is um is the importance of wine festivals this kind of thing and and this year there's been uh, you know there has been one yeah. very important event particularly for biodynamic wines which was a return to terroir yeah. tasting and and I'm assuming you went and and showed the wines there uh, no I didn't go to the wine it was uh, Melbourne Food and Wine uh, yeah. festival I was involved in that and I think uh, I I don't know why I didn't kind of uh, I'm not a certified biodynamic producer oh, maybe to, it is maybe there is one of the condition is you have to be certified I'm not sure yeah but I found out little uh, later so. about it so I I I don't but, know why I didn't know about it. So, but but they were, later this yeah. month you will be uh heading up to Sydney for the Rootstock Festival. Very excited. <laughs> is this your first time with Rootstock? No, this is my third time. I've been there You've from been there day from one. The beginning. Wow. <laughs> yes. Okay. Um and 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 you have uh you know obviously some customers I would hope in in Sydney. 
And you have some in Melbourne, of course. Where else can people um, find the Avani wines uh, in Australia and overseas yet? Um, we're such a small producer. I've had uh, requests from overseas, but being very small, I think it's not uh, economically feasible for for them. But okay. to work on my wine, uh, but uh, but with all these know, plantings, with all these plantings, one day, yeah, 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 we're getting there. Okay, uh, so no. Um, they are available in Sydney, mm-hmm. Melbourne, mm-hmm. and uh, people can always contact direct and, you know, happy to send them over. So the, so the website, which has the details of how they can contact you, yes. you have a website? Yeah, it does. It's just www.avani.com.au? Yeah. Fantastic. Do you have any um, any social media accounts? Do you tweet or do you Instagram or anything uh, like this for, um, for the young people? <laughs> I think I need to learn all that. I'm so behind in technology. I'm so... Um, get the kids to help. <laughs> they both are going overseas for two years to London, so... <laughs> oh, lucky them. Lucky them. So, well, that's the know. beauty of social media is that they can still help you whilst they're over there. Thank you, James. <laughs> but, um, Shashi, I just wanted to say thank you very much for making some time uh, and joining me on the Vincast today. Uh, and I hope that people will um, will uh, definitely come and see you at Rootstock and uh, and maybe, you know, depending on what happens over the summer, come and, t- and pay your visit down in the Mornington Peninsula. Thank you, James. Um, it is so important for people like you, uh, Mike Beanie, James Hurd, um, everyone who has raised this awareness about biodynamic mines, sustainable agriculture. It is so important. More mm. people are... Uh, kind of finding it out and seeing the difference and um, we are so grateful to you I can't no my the pleasure is mine you You honor me by being on the show Uh, thank you again thanks And thank you very much, guys, for listening to another episode of The Vincast. I have been James Scarsbrook, otherwise known as The Intrepid Wino. And I just wanted to um, quickly uh, correct that the website for Avani is actually Avani, A-V-A-N-I, Syrah, S-Y-R-A-H.com.au, not Avani.com.au. Uh, and also you can actually find Shashi on uh, on Twitter. Uh, she is at Avani underscore Syrah. Um, of course, you can follow myself on uh, Instagram and Twitter at Intrepid Wino, and the podcast can be found on Twitter at The Vincast. Uh, you can come to facebook.com forward slash Intrepid Wino, where you'll find my Facebook page. Uh, head to YouTube, uh, Intrepid Wino, one word, uh, where you'll find my YouTube channel. Subscribe to that. Uh, you'll see some uh, videos of, of tastings, including myself tasting the Avani Syrah 2014 that uh, Shashi was kind enough to give me a bottle of. Uh, and if you want to find out more about the Rootstock Festival, uh, I would highly recommend going to the website rootstocksydney.com. And then you can um, buy some tickets and head to the event on the 28th and 29th of November. Um, Of course, uh, I would love for you to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or Stitcher or Player FM or any number of different apps you can put on your iPhone or Android device. Uh, And if you do subscribe, it means you get the the newest episode as soon as it becomes available. And also, I would really love you to uh, leave me a rating and review. Give me some feedback. Give me some suggestions about guests you'd like to hear on the podcast. Um, and uh, it really does help get the word out to potential listeners and also potential guests. 
But of course, all the information can be found at intrepidwino.com, uh, all the episodes of the podcast, uh, all my tasting notes, uh, all my um, blog entries about my trips. Um, but uh, I just wanted to say thank you again for listening. Um, I look forward to more exciting guests coming up soon. But until then, bye. <laughs>